Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Two Old Bloggers. I'm your host, Dave. And as always, I'm joined by Darren over there. In today's episode, we're tackling the burning question on everybody's mind. Can the Vikings win out? We're diving deep into the team's roller coaster of a season, discussing the highs and the lows. I love saying that. And everything in between. First up, we'll be discussing the recent switch, at least recent since you've last watched us, of Josh Dobbs and uh, to Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins started last week. He took over to, for Dobbs the week before, and now he's starting again this week. As the Vikings starting quarterback, we're going to see how he does this week. How has the change impacted the team? And more importantly, can Mullins play winning football for the remaining games? We'll dissect the performance, the good, the bad, and what it means for the future of our beloved Minnesota Vikings. Next, we're going to spotlight Ty Chandler's breakthrough performance and talk about the potential return of Jordan Hicks. Chandler's recent performance has left fans and critics alike wondering, should he remain the starter even when Alexander Madison recovers? <laughs> and what does Hicks' potential mean to Ivan Pace Jr.? Finally, we'll be giving you an in-depth preview of the upcoming Vikings versus Lions game, a whiteout game no less. A clash that might be crucial in deciding the Vikings' playoff hopes and their fate. We'll break down the strengths and weaknesses of both teams and discussing some key strategies 
and maybe even give you a prediction or two. It's a packed episode, so let's dive right in. Thanks for joining us on this journey. Here's to hoping that our Vikings can pull off the win. All this and more on Two Old Bloggers. Vikings First and Skull presents This Week in Vikings Land with Darren and Dave, your two old bloggers. And we're back after that quick rolling. I'm Dave. That's Darren. How you doing, Darren? How are things for you in the Great White North? Or are you in the Great White North? I'm not. The family went down to, uh, we drove down Thursday to northern Alberta where uh, I've got relatives here. So spending the next the Christmas uh, and the uh, next five, six days here, then going to drive back up to TL Knife after that. So that's where we're at. And uh, so I don't have my usual setup. So apologize for the sound, lighting, all that other stuff. Doing the best I can here under uh, 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 like challenging uh, production circumstances. <laughs> Is there a temperature difference? Yeah, there has been. There's about um, Alberta's having a really mild uh, winter so far. Usually, uh, you know, it gets pretty cold in Alberta too, but it's been in the plus, plus Celsius here, which is not the wow. norm for for late December in Alberta and particularly Northern Alberta. It was like seven degrees Celsius here where, where I am yesterday. Uh, when I left Yellowknife, it was minus 22 Celsius. So there's been a bit of, bit of a temperature change for sure. That's downright balmy. Yes. <laughs> I was walking around. I didn't even have to uh, zip up my, uh, my light winter coat yesterday. <laughs> wow. All right. Sounds good. Well, Let's get into this game, and you pose the question, can the Vikings win out? <laughs> can he win? Yeah, the Dave, the whole, uh, pretty, pretty clear. If the, the Vikings um, playoff chances, that's what we're all... We're all wondering about what we're hoping to see, and really, with the final three games, you know, uh, the Vikings have to win two of those three, I think, to have uh, have a pretty good chance of making it. And if they win all three, they're they're, they're in for sure. But um, one and two probably isn't going to do it. Certainly, zero oh and three is not going to do it. Uh, I would think, and and a lot of it's going to come down to this guy in the picture here, Nick Mullins. And for Viking fans, last week finally we got the we got we went from the Josh Dobbs experience to the Nick Mullins experience at quarterback, and in a lot of ways, it uh, there was um, you know some very I think positive things that we saw from the Nick Mullins uh, um, led offense against Cincinnati. Um, he completed seventy eight percent of his passes. The Vikings had over. Uh, 440 yards in total offense in that in in that combined offense in that game, and they scored 24 points, left some points out on the field, as we know. So that and and you know the, the offense looked way more productive, uh, more cohesive, certainly more dangerous than it did uh, in the previous two three games that Joe and Josh Jobs has, had been the starting quarterback. So I think overall. Uh, the switch from Dobbs to Mullins was the right call. Uh, of course, 
And I think that you could look at last week's game against Cincinnati, Dave, and, and think uh, you saw a lot of things there that would make you feel that the Viking, he certainly gives the Vikings a, a, a good chance to uh, go two and one, potentially even three and zero, oh, and get into the playoffs over the final three three games. But uh, but uh, I think you know the look. You know, let's looking. I wanted to look at his performance against Cincinnati and say, still, despite what we said, did Nick Mullins play winning football for the Vikings? We know they lost in gut punch fashion. Not all. Uh, certainly, a lot of it was not the offense's fault, and not even Nick Mullins' fault. But I just wanted to look at it. And winning football, that's what you're looking for your quarterback to, to do. Did Nick Mullins do that? And can he and if he did, can he continue to do that in, in the final in the final three games as we head into the, the playoff push the and try to extend the season beyond the regular season? Well, I think you know the things that that you think positive wise that you'd look at as really Nick Mullins feeling that he did play winning football is that I think that unlike what we saw from Dobbs, he was able to get the ball out pretty consistently quickly on time and on rhythm, which is something we had not seen from, from Josh Dobbs recently, who was holding on the ball a lot of times, didn't seem to really be seeing it well down the field. Uh, didn't seem to be very confident in where he was, he was getting it. Nick Mullins got, uh, you know, he was able to get uh, guys like Justin Jefferson, Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson involved uh and made them part of the offense. That was a plus. I think not only getting it, getting the ball, I mean, getting the ball uh, rid, rid of it on time and in rhythm, that's important, but you also have to be accurate. And I think that uh, Nick Mullins also was able to get the ball in pl- in the places for so his wide receivers could catch the ball and then turn that and get extra yardage and take it and go with it. That was something, again, that Josh Dobbs struggled with, with his, with his accuracy. The ball placement wasn't always good. Some The ball wasn't where it always needed. A lot of times wasn't where it needed to be for his wide receivers, so they either had to, to you know, make a difficult catch or slow down their momentum and not be able to take advantage of, of yards after the catch. Nick Mullins was able to do that for the most part. Uh, and part of the ball placement was that because he was Nick Mullins was able to get it in good spots with good ball placement, he also kept his wide receivers, his pass catchers, out of harm's way. Um, again, something that Josh Dobbs, with the poor ball placement at times, was not able to do. We saw in multiple uh, examples in when Dobbs started where poor ball placement, really poor ball placement, led to Justin Jefferson getting knocked out of the game against Las Vegas. It led to KJ. Yeah. Hospital balls. Right. Like he put his receivers, pass catchers in harm's way with poor ball placement. And, and, you know, KJ Osborne got a concussion largely because of the bad ball placement by Josh Dobbs. Jordan Addison took a couple of tough hits uh, in games because the ball wasn't quite where it needed to be. Um, Mullins, for the most part, avoided that in his start. That's important because you don't want Jordan Addison, TJ Hawkinson, Justin Jefferson getting hurt, getting knocked out of the game because the ball wasn't where it was supposed to be. And that gave a DB or a safety a chance to lay a lick on him that they wouldn't have been able to do if the ball was where it was supposed to be. I thought that was important. And I also felt that Mullins was, you know, he worked between the the numbers down the middle of the field effectively if that got taken away though he was able to go to the sidelines i think he gave the the vikings passing offense more variety than it had under dobbs in the previous games again important that if they took something away he was able to take advantage of what they weren't taking away 
so those are all very, very good things, uh, very, very positive things that we saw from, from Mullins. But when we get to talking about winning football, Dave, in the end, for a quarterback, a lot of times it comes down to, did you take ball security? Did you take care of the football? And Nick Mullins did not do that in this game. We know that he had that bad interception at the goal line that Mike Hilton from the Bengals picked off right at the goal line. That took away at least three points. There was that mind-numbing, mind-boggling decision as he's getting sacked, going to the ground to try to throw the ball away. It ends up B.J. Hill makes an interception there. Uh, Again, took points off the board and... That was just a, a, a dumb decision that you certainly wouldn't expect a veteran like Nick Mullins to make, a panic move, a hero ball move. He did that. There was the the pick six off the screen that was completely telegraphed. Now, that got turned around because Trey Henderson was offside, and we ended up uh, scoring a touchdown after that. But, hey, that was a bad throw. And then in the first series, I think the first series or second series, uh, Dax Hill from the Bengals, like Mullins misfired on the throw to JJ. Dax Hill should have probably picked that off. So those are four balls that either were turnover worthy or were turnovers that Nick Mullins had in that game. And yeah, he completed 78% of his passes. He threw for 303 yards. But in the NFL, Dave, winning football, that is not winning football when you have turn the ball over, you throw two interceptions and two other plays, two other throws at least that could have been, should have been interceptions. Uh, you can't yeah, win in the but, NFL that way. But every quarterback throws interceptions, mm-hmm. even the great ones. And it's that just, uh, it's about minimizing those. And it's, and it, and, and we all know, Dave, it's like a, uh, it's a fine line between being taking chances and being too careful. You know, you can go Teddy Bridgewater is an example to me where once he got in the red zone, Teddy was super, super careful with the ball, too careful. And a lot of times it ended up leading to like just field goals and nothing, not taking yeah. nothing else. Nick Mullen seemed to go the other way. Now, you talk about everybody makes those trolls. The problem with, I think, Nick Mullins is that if you look at his career, 18 career starts, in 13 of those, he's thrown at least one interception. Well, I think uh, he's got a bit of Brett Favre-ism in him. I think he grew up idolizing Favre, and he'll take those chances to try to force the ball to play you know, hero ball that Brett took. And I, I see a lot of that in Mullins. Now, does that work sometimes? Yeah, it sure does. But uh, there's other times when you're like, no, don't throw across your body. Nah. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a dice roll. Now, I'm sure Kevin O'Connell is going to try to rein that back a little bit and say, I love your aggressiveness and I want you to be aggressive, but don't be stupid. And It'd be one thing if last week against the Bengals, Dave, like that, it was just uh, like that was one of a a rare occurrence for Nick Mullins or whatever. But you look at his career, like I just said, 18 of his 13 of his 18 starts, he's thrown at least one interception and and many of them multiple in more than one. Uh, Career wise, 29 touchdown passes now, 25 interceptions. If you add the four uh, fumbles that he's also lost in those starts. That means he's had as many turnovers as he's had touchdown passes. Well, in the NFL, Dave, uh, so this isn't just like a like a rare thing, a one-time deal. This seems to be part of 
who Kirk, uh, Nick Mullins is as a quarterback. There's some good, and then there's some bad. And in the NFL, where so many games, 60% of the games come down to the, you know, are within seven points or less, come down to the last drive. There's so much in, you know, you have so many teams like the Vikings are six and eight or seven and eight or eight and seven. Uh, there's so much parity in the league right now. Games are going to be close. They're going to come down to the last drive. They're going to be a one score game. And if you got a quarterback who's turning the ball over consistently, like Nick Mullins has shown he can do, that is not winning football in the NFL, and that's could that's going to be the difference between you maybe winning the winning the game or losing the game. It's going to be the difference between you making the playoffs and not making the playoffs. And now, Especially like you said, in the modern NFL. Thirty in years the ago, NFL. this would be he'd be great, but right now. Mm-mm. Well, look at Tommy Kramer and two minute Tommy from the, you know, the late seventies, early eighties, like he had so many gains where he had four touchdown passes and three interceptions. And, and yeah, that wasn't like the ball security thing. Wasn't, I'm sure it was a focus, but it didn't seem to kill teams as much as it does now. Does now, now, now teams don't like seeing a quarterback throw even one interception in a game. And if you got a quarterback turn it over twice, two or three times with picks, well, that's just that's a losing proposition. Now, like you said, it's up to it's up to Kevin O'Connell, who's head Nick Mullins on this team now for two years. It's up to him to kind of rein him in a bit, uh, get him to make less of those plays like he did with B.J. Hill. Get him to uh, maybe recognize what's a what's a good risk and what is a poor risk as far as his throws and because if nick mullins can be a guy who can you know throw for 300 yards but just have the one td or the two tds and no interceptions well i think that the vikings will feel pretty good about their chances of winning games in that case and that's if you can get that nick mullins from here on out I think you do have a good chance of the Vikings going two and one, or maybe even three and zero, and getting into the playoffs. And then who knows? But if you're doing like what he did against Cincinnati, for all the good things he did, I don't think that that's winning football. Uh, you know, just look at how I, I, another, you know, looking at another example from another team, which we saw a couple of months ago, Brock Purdy against the Vikings in Minnesota. You look overall his stats. I think he completed like 75, 80% of his passes in that game. Uh, but in the end, late in the game, he threw two costly interceptions, poor throws with the 49ers driving to take the league and uh, t- the lead in that game and, and maybe win a game that they were outplayed. And, you know, he did not play winning football in that game, despite all of the other nice, great things that he did in that game. And that's what Nick Mullins did against Cincinnati. For those that are curious, it's and they always are. weeded bourbon. For today, and yes, I agree. It's you've got to place the the margin of victory in the NFL now with all the parity is so slim. You've got to refine every little bit that you can out of it, so you have the advantage. And throwing picks and turnovering the ball is you're just giving away that stuff. Sort of like we've given away games this year. Hey, Yogi. Hey, I want to say thank you to everybody that's joined us today on this Saturday. There is football on, as everybody's talking about. Yes. Um, You could be out shopping, last-minute shopping for your procrastinators out there. I'm a professional procrastinator myself. I still have a few more things to get, but I'll probably wait till tomorrow to do that. 
Uh, <laughs> it's real simple because I already know what they are and I can get it online. It's a piece of cake. But it's uh but I want to thank everybody that's here. Give you all a shout out from Mary to Yogi to Doc, Proto, Raymond. Let's see who else are we seeing? Jim, Pat Cat, Jonathan. Jonathan's always here. And a great and wonderful Norse Fierce. Yes, the man, the myth, the legend. We have Duncan here as well. And if anybody I missed, I apologize. I see you there, Bill, as well. Thank you for joining us this day, this Saturday, before, you know, the holidays. and But mainly before the game tomorrow. So, Jim, don't drink alcohol since 2014. Obviously by choice, and it's probably a good one for you. I do. Now. Purple Haze is with us here, always. Um, parody, <laughs> yes, Norsefias, parody should be spelled this year, parody. Yes, I got you. That's brilliant. I got to use that. I'm going to steal that for everybody. Um, all right, now, we talked about Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins has got to play well. Can he? He has the ability, yes. He has the physical talents to do such. Will he put it all together without some oopses? Let's hope so, because if, if 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 he does, we've got a good chance. If he sticks to script, his normal, and then it's we'll see. Well, that leads us to theme dos. Holiday quick hitters, and speaking of holiday. Oh, here it comes. Santa hat. There we go. That's what we like to see. It is that time of year. It is. So, you want to oh. talk about quick hitters. Which one's first? I'm going to go with Ty Chandler first, even though we got Ivan Pace there in the in the photo. But, uh, but yeah, um, Viking fans... On Monday, were, I imagine a lot of people were saying, I told you so. I told you that Ty Chandler <laughs> should have been starting instead of Alexander Madison. Um, because, they, they, you know, that Saturday game against Cincy last week, um, and we've talked about it uh, multiple times during the season, even before the season, kind of wondering, like, but particularly during the season, just kind of wondering, hey, <clears throat> when – is Ty Chandler going to get a chance? Uh, when is he going to get uh, more carries and, and may p- perhaps supplant uh, Alexander Madison as, as the Vikings' main running back, the, the running back that gets the bulk of the, of the carries? Well, because Madison was out and couldn't play last week because of, of an ankle injury, Ty Chandler got that chance finally. Uh, and uh, the results were pretty fine weren't they dave uh 23 carries 132 yards uh also had three catches and added another 25 yards with that while uh, out of those 23 carries ty chandler had a 30 yard run which was outside of also ty chandler's fake punt run besides that that was the longest run by a vikings running back this this year and we saw numerous instances beyond that where chandler used that 438 speed and that second gear that he's got when he gets the ball to like outrun defenders 
or beat the angle, you know, our defenders had an angle on him and he was able to outrun the angle uh, because something that Alexander Madison typically cannot do. Uh, no. which led to a lot of led to a lot of positive runs for the Vikings. <laughs> Madison's your big bruising style of back. It's that simple. He's not the hit the outside and plant his foot no. and sprint. So, but Chandler is Chandler is, and not only did he catch the ball well, run the ball very well, uh, and provide the Vikings with an explosive element in the run game that we haven't seen all year, but uh, the pass blocking, he was rated by PFF as a tie for the top pass blocking rating, along with Ed Ingram in that game and pass blocking has been what we have at least outsiders like us have assumed has been one of the reasons Kevin O'Connell has not trusted Ty Chandler to play more than he has this season. Well, he pass blocked well last game, apparently I, you know, I that's PFS that numbers. I didn't notice him making any, any boo-boos either in pass blocking. Just no, he was, he, I think it was perfect last game. If you look at his pass blocking numbers over time, it, it did start out bad, but he's gotten better and better and better. He had one little slip up, and then now he's, I think he was literally perfect, got by PFF. He got the blocks he was supposed to get, and they scored him appropriately. And, yes, that that was a big deal. And we talk about development of football players when they come from college to the pros, and there are certain things they need to develop. Well, for the running back position, it's can you pass block? Do you can you read the proper rush and go to the proper spot person, whoever's rushing in, you know, using the right rules inside out, whatever it is, and can you execute that? He has taken that step this year, which is good. Jonathan making a joke about asking Santa for a Viking Super Bowl, but realizing that Santa gives out gifts, not miracles. <laughs> not miracles. <laughs> it was good. Hey, I, I'd love to ask Santa the same thing, Jonathan. I'd love it. I'd love it. I'd love it. Yeah. But getting back to, to Chandler, all jokes aside, like, like, okay. So we had a phenomenal game against Cincinnati. So the, you know, the, from that, or again, Vikings fans are saying to KLC, hey, look, see, we told you. Well, we didn't actually tell him. He's not listening to us. But if he were listening, we'd <laughs> <yeah, laughs> be like, uh, you know, I, okay, guys, yeah, you've been saying Chandler. He played really well. Uh, so now the, the feeling is like, okay, is this, was that the proof for the O'Connell and Wes Phillips and everybody else on the offensive staff that Ty Chandler needs to supplant uh, Alexander Madison as the starter? Um, I, I'm going to throw a bit of cold water on here because we've talked about this in previous shows too, is that I think it's going to take more than one game, uh, one excellent game from, from Ty Chandler to supplant Alexander Madison. And we have seen that KOC Kevin O'Connell is not a guy who takes, has the quick hook when it comes to removing starters that guys that he feels are the better players and replacing them with somebody that, that in the beginning of the year was the, the understudy to that guy. We've seen it with the guy, you know, the photo of the guy we just mentioned, Ed Ingram. KOC was very, very patient with Ed Ingram uh, through a very tough rookie season, tough start of the season. Everybody was calling for Ed Ingram to be replaced. Ed Ingram needs to be like cut, traded, whatever. Just don't have him in the starting lineup. Well, Ed Ingram is starting to reward Kevin O'Connell's patience 
lately because he's developing now into a solid <laughs> he, he's he's developed into a, a pretty solid uh, right guard for us uh, and you know seems to be improving which is great we've seen Kevin O'Connell stick with Greg Joseph the past two years when he's hit those lulls those struggles and there have been several times it's you know I, I would say Greg Joseph hasn't really gotten out of the lull that he's been in all season <laughs> but uh, but you know and he stuck well, with him he, I don't think I still don't think he's cost us a game yet no no he has we're not. waiting on that fans are waiting on that to flame, but I don't think he's cost us a game yet, but we'll see. And I love, I just want to acknowledge the chuckle from me and Darren just a couple minutes ago was a remark, a comment from GMAC who said, if KOC is listening to fans, his feelings are hurt. (laughs) (laughs) I still think it's funny. Thank you, GMAC. Um, Another example, again, is K.J. Osborne. Uh, Kevin O'Connell has been able to, uh, you know, stuck with him when he's had some dry spells, and and he's having that again lately. Um, So Kevin O'Connell is not a guy who is going to, again, uh, is shown um, that that, that he's going to be have a quick trigger on starters on personnel. And I don't think that's going to be the case with Alexander Madison. Uh, One game, as I said, is not going to be enough now. The, the, I guess the, what's, there's still an opening here for Ty Chandler and he still has time because Matt Madison, although he did, I guess he did practice on Friday. So right now he is questionable to play. Uh, he reportedly has a high ankle sprain, which is a tough one for a running back to come back with. Usually you're out multiple games when that happens. I would, my guess is that Ty Chandler, uh, Madison likely won't play tomorrow. And if he does, his role is going to be very limited, in which case Ty Chandler is going to be running back number one again. And that will give him another game to prove I am the man. I should be the starter. Uh, if, if he can have a similar game, you know, 132 yards is not something that any NFL running back is able to repeat over and over and over right. in, in this league. But uh, you know, if he has a high, um, you know, shows explosive runs, runs for over 100 yards again, uh, his pass blocking is on point. Ty Channel will give Kevin O'Connell yet more data to consider, consider either later in this year when Madison is ready to play, healthy enough to play, or, you know, in 2024, you know, uh, consider about shaking up the pecking order in the Vikings running back room. And I think, so there is an opportunity here for Ty Chandler and he's got to seize it. I don't think he has seized it yet uh, from Alexander Madison. And that's going to be disappointing to Viking fans. But again, I think that's the, that's what you get with Kevin O'Connell you get a guy who's patient, doesn't make rash decisions with personnel, even when the fans think they know better. And so I think that Ty Chandler, as well as he played last week, he's got to continue to play really well, to unseat Alexander Madison as our running back number one. But no, it, I, I, I actually think he has a chance to do just that. I want to thank Norris Fias for the Super Chat, $5. Facebook movie kind of trivia question he had. You, uh, What movie did the line, you just spilled my warm cup of piss come from? <laughs> if anybody knows, please put it in the r- remarks. i not quite sure. Hey, and there's Joseph. Joseph, cheers, my friend. I hope Indeed. you're Merry having Christmas. a good holiday or run up to it so far. 
I don't know, maybe Bad Santa's the with that. I've never seen the movie, but I'm just that seems to be something uh, that uh, Billy Bob Thornton would say is Bad Santa in that movie. Could be, and you know what? I've never seen that movie either. I need to put it on it's the watch list. Supposed to be pretty good. It's supposed mm-hmm. to be pretty good. Well, it's up to KOC to decide. It is, yes. So and. And through thick and thin, as bad as the Vikings running game has been with Alexander Madison all year, and and Cam Akers couldn't take a bigger bite out of the playing time. Ty Chandler couldn't when I, when Wakers went down. Uh, so uh, there's the first again, I think it's going to have going to take more than one good game, and maybe more than two good games for Ty Chandler to do that. But uh, he's going to get another opportunity tomorrow to to prove it. Uh, and yes, I hope he, he does. Rap joined us. Hey, Rap, how you doing? How does it sound? Have it has it been engineered and mastered yet? He'll know what I'm talking about. Krampus is great. Yes, Krampus. Uh, airing of grievances, and yes, as Vikings fans, we have quite a few. So, Ooh. somebody's got the last Boy Scout down there. Ooh. Yogi got it. Good for you, Yogi. <laughs> Outstanding. All right. We talked about Chandler. Chandler, KOC says he's going to be featured. That tells me he's <laughs> going to start. Well, hopefully yeah. he's going to start and he's going to get lots of deal, lots of opportunities to expand and hopefully he has a 100-plus yard game. And there's no doubt we know who wins the starting job after this. So we'll see. As far as Madison and his bum ankle, we'll see how that goes too. Mary Fisk, thank you very much, Miss Mary. Merry Christmas to you as well. And Stevens joining us all the way down from down under. Ooh. Good day, mate. And uh, for many that don't you. know, Santa has a problem delivering pr- packages down to Australia down under because the reindeer just can't handle the heat of midsummer down there. They have a hard time. So he changes them out. And when he's below the equator like that and visiting Australia, he uses what is known as six white boomers. And boomers are uh, white kangaroos, big ones. (laughs) I found that out when I was a kid. Anyways, all right, next quick hitter, this man, Jordan Hicks. Yeah, we're, uh, Jordan Hicks is questionable uh, for tomorrow's game. Uh, he practiced, uh, he was not, he was practiced full on this week. Uh, as we know, uh, he's been out since um, the New Orleans game where he had a, a very serious, he got dinged up uh, and then had to leave the game, got a huge amount of swelling, ended up getting something called carp, carp compartment syndrome. Uh, if it hadn't been dealt with, he might've lost his leg. It sounded pretty scary, but things have all gone well. So Jordan Hicks looks like he potentially, potentially could be added to the active roster, taken out uh, tomorrow and play. Uh, and, you know, that would be great news because before he got hurt, Jordan Hicks was probably our second best or not. I thought, you know, close to our best defensive player uh, that year, he was having an all-pro season. He was playing as well as I've seen him, certainly way better than he did in 2022. 
and potentially when he went out, uh, he was an every down player. When he went out, I was like, oh man, you know, the Vikings defense is really just starting to hit a stride. Now we lose Jordan Hicks, one of our best players. That is not, that is not good news. But Ivan Pace Jr. stepped in and played, took over the over every down role, the green dot, and he played as well, or maybe even better than what Jordan Hicks, excuse me, played while Hicks was out. Um, you know, that's, up to but he certainly we did not lose anything there with with Ivan Pace in the game and there's a difference in the two Mm -hmm. um Ivan Pace is great up against the run and playing rushing for the pass Hicks is the better zone defender when he drops back as a linebacker covering receivers then pace is right now. Now I quantify that with right now. Pace mm-hmm. is going to develop over the next few years, and I think we've got a gem with him. We we do. Uh, my question is that you know if Hicks uh, returns, uh, does he return to that every down, pretty much every down inside linebacker role that he had? Because uh, before he went out. Ivan, Ivan Pace had a strong start to the season, and then his playing time kind of got cut into. He was getting less and less snaps. He went from a guy who was getting 50, and six, 50 snaps a game or, or thereabouts to he was getting around 20, 25, 28, sometimes less than that because Brian Flores was running with only one inside on-the-ball linebacker, and that was Jordan Hicks in a lot of, the, a lot of plays. So... If Hicks is back and he's playing most of the time, like he's back in that every down role, what does that mean for Ivan Pace Jr.? Because for me, I think that the Vikings defense is better when Ivan Pace Jr. is on the field. Um, so where, <laughs> if he's only playing 20 to 25 to 30 snaps now, as opposed to the every down role he had while Hicks was out, uh, you know, I I wonder what impact is that going to have on the defense? Uh, are, you know, do we lose a little bit with Ivan Pace uh, Jr.? Certainly we will lose something on the pass rushing end of things because he's very, very, very good at that. Um, it'll be, uh, so I'm just running this out, kind of wondering what uh, Ivan Pace's role is going to be once, if Jordan Hicks comes back and he's playing full time. Um, I agree, Norseus, that the, uh, you know, Pace is going to be, uh, what pace has done i think uh, a guy who's not going to uh get extended <laughs> potentially next year um particularly well, if brian flores is running the defense well you're talking about davenport that davenport oh, yeah, will yeah. not get uh an extension contract so no nope. nope. he so pace will get that number back thanks rap i was just curious rap says it's almost done and we have um, a surprise so- for you rap and i and it's yeah. the question is, when is it going to be out? Hopefully by the end of the season, but we'll see. Hopefully there's a way, Dave, where uh, Forez, the maestro that he is, that he can come up with uh, personnel packages where he can keep Pace on the field and Hicks on the field at the same time and still have uh, an effective uh, defense, uh, you know, uh, the, the strong top five defense that we have seen the past you know, six, seven games. Uh, because again, I think that it's important to have Ivan Pace on the field a lot more. It's, he's better on the field for us than when he's standing on the sidelines. Um, and if you can find a way to have two really good players like Hicks and Pace 
uh, and maximize them, then you know that that's what I'd like to see. And interesting to see how Brian Flores is going to handle that playing time and how he's going to use these two guys uh, when he gets Hicks back and Hicks is ready to play. Uh, you know, uh, like a, the majority of the snaps, like he was before he got hurt. It's possible tomorrow, Dave, that his you know they might ease him into it because he's just coming back from uh, his surgery and that he's not quite ready to go get the 50 60 snaps a game that that he was pre-injury and in which case but then at some point in time in the next game or two you got to think that hicks is going to be ramped up full time and then the question becomes okay who's playing then right and it's a good question uh doogie this week said brian hicks showed everybody in the locker room the reporters his scar he's got a 12 inch scar along his mm-hmm. leg uh from where they cut it open it uh it should be interesting now steven asked where can we become a member of Vikings first and skull. If you go, Stephen, if you go on a computer to the Vikings first and skull YouTube page, to the page right below the title of Vikings first and skull, you should see a join button and it's there. If you're on your phone, you need to go to a browser and then go to YouTube that way versus via the app. It'll be there. All you got to do is hit, hit the join button. And you should be fine. I don't know if it's restricted in Australia or not, but that's how you go about it. And Norsevia says it's sometimes listed as C perks. Yes. All right. That brings us to theme three. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Vikings versus Lions. Now, as usual, we start with the stat slides because everybody likes to be bored with a PowerPoint. (laughs) Uh, These slides are pretty interesting. All right. We're going to start off with first, I'm going to get a drink while everybody takes in that injury slide. Which is not showing a lot of good news for the Vikings. Yes. When it comes to the Vikings, KOC's already said, Brian Byron Murphy is out, right? Obviously a starter, cornerback, mostly a nickel, but cornerback. Jalen Naylor's out again. Alexander Madison is questionable. Brian O'Neill is questionable, both with those ankle injuries. Don't know if we're going to see either one of them. I think, uh, um, was it Goosenberry, Boysenberry, uh, the Quisenberry, Quisenberry, the replacement offensive tackle has done a good job. Uh, Jonathan Bullard is questionable. I don't like that. Harrison Phillips is questionable. I don't like that. Really don't like that. Especially when uh, we know they can run. Uh, Jonathan's feeling KOC is picking up the pieces of cursed season and making kind of preseason 
kind of a preseason advance. Hey, maybe, maybe. Um, Anthony Tollison says Davenport was a waste of money. And Anthony, if you wrote that ahead of time, I'm blaming it on you, but yes, he was. Um, Jordan Hicks is questionable. And that's because the recovery and coming back. And then we found out Friday, Ivan Pace Jr. is questionable. He was listed with a shoulder. Now, hopefully, that means nothing and he can still play. Hopefully, all the guys that are questionable can come out and play and are good enough to play. But don't put your hopes on that, folks. Be prepared for disappointment, and if it turns out that they do play, then be pleasantly surprised. You know the drill as a Vikings fan. I feel pretty certain that we won't see O'Neal. I'm pretty sure there, or nor Madison. I doubt we see Madison as well. Lions, they have a fullback out. They have free safety C.J. Garner-Johnson, who has not. I mean, that's a big name, but he doesn't start, folks. He's Hasn't started this season. So, anyways, uh, quarterback Jerry Jacobs, he's out. He is one of their starters on uh, defense. Tight end Brock Wright, he's their tight end, too. He's out. And uh, defensive tackle Levi Onwuzuriki is uh, questionable. And I apologize if I butchered his name, which I'm sure I did. That did as us- well as I would have done. <laughs> that brings us always to the battle of the quarterbacks because 80% of games are won by the better quarterback. And here it is pretty cut and dry. We have Nick Mullins versus Jared Goff. And when it comes to PFF, they think Nick Mullins is a power rank of 21, which is one better than Joshua Dobbs. And Jared Goff is a power rank of 10. He's a top 10 quarterback so far this season, and we know he can get teams to the Super Bowl. He's done it before. When we get into details about those rankings, here we have Nick Mullins with a 65 rating, and then it goes on down all the way through. Jared Goff with an 82.7, and the green dot shows you who is better than who. Hey there, Sodak. And all but one category out of all the different stats, whether it be PFF, uh, DVOA, DYAR, or Elias Sports Bureau, golf is better. Now, the one thing I wanted to point out on this slide was Mullins on... DYAR versus defense adjusted and DVOA versus average. He has positive figures. Josh Dobbs figures were negative. And you remember when DVOA zero is the means, it's the midpoint. You're either above it or you're below it. So DVOA has them above it. When you look over at Jared Goff, they have him at 1,114. He is fourth on their list of quarterbacks in that category. He's not bad. He knows how to play football. But he has a flaw. 
you know, we've always joked that Jared Goff is like Kirk Cousins, and very much so. They're very, very, very good quarterbacks, except for they have a flaw that does that keeps them just right below that elite tier. And he has a flaw, and we'll get into that in just a bit. Then comes the offense versus the defense. PFF Power Ranking has the Vikings offense at 23rd and the Lions defense at 23rd. So it's a pretty even matchup. When we get to DVOA, they have us, and you see the red diamonds down. That means we're dropping. Has uh, the Vikings offense at 21st, 18th and pass, 28th and run versus the Lions defense, which they have at 15th, middle of the pack, 16th against pass, and 4th against the run. That's going to make it interesting for Mr. Chandler if they can keep that up. Um, has Mullins officially been named starter? Yes, he was. He was named starter. He's going to be starter on out unless he really screws up bad. So, Elias Sports Bureau has our offense dropping to 11th overall. Seventh in passing, 23rd in rushing. The number for rushing, believe it or not, has gone up. Thank you, Ty Chandler. Uh, We're 21st in points. We've taken 35 sacks total on the season. We're 30th now in giveaways. We were 32nd two weeks ago. We're 30th with 26, and we have a minus 6 differential. It was minus 8 a couple weeks ago. Whereas the Lions defense, they are ranked 14th in yards, 18th in passing, 8th in rushing, 23rd in points, meaning they give away points. And, of course, as John Madden would say, score more points than the other team and you win the game. So let's, yep, let's hope it happens. And they are 25th with takeaways with 15. Now, we flip the card. We go defense versus offense. Vikings defense dropped a spot. They are now 13th. I think they were 11th before or even higher. Whereas the Lions offense is ninth overall per PFF. So we're going strength against strength and weakness against weakness in this game. DVOA has our defense at fifth overall. It went up. Seventh against pass. Ninth against the run. They have their offense as sixth overall, eighth for pass, and fourth for run. That's why we hope Harrison Phillips is a full ghost as well as Bullard because you know they're going to try to run. 24-0 at half. (laughs) Thanks for the update, Pat Cat. You wouldn't think about it. I guess they got their emotional win last week. Cincinnati, that (laughs) is. And now they're spent, and they're getting whooped up by a bad Steelers team. Also don't have Jameer Chase at all, and that makes a big difference to your offense. Well, I bet. Now, Elias Sports Bureau has our defense as ranked 12th, gone up, 17th against pass, 5th against rushing. Again, Harrison Phillips and Jonathan Bullard play into that. And 6th at giving up points, which is good. We want that's top 10, almost top five, which is a good thing. That means that's a winning defense. And as we know, offense gets you to playoffs, defense wins you championships. So we have, we're setting up where the defense is playing well enough. 
But when it comes to the Lions' offense, they're third in yards, fourth in passing, second in rushing, and fifth in points scored. Now, they've given up 28 snaps compared to our, what, 35? They have given away the ball, their 18th, middle of the pack, 20 times, minus five difference. What you got to say now, Browns? <laughs> That's funny. Um, Brian says, wife says, I need to start cleaning for the Christmas party. Skull and happy holidays. Brian, happy holidays to you too. And Merry Christmas. And may your party be grand tonight. We're happy you could you could, you could sit in us. for any of it. Mm-hmm. And we wish you the best. And happy, happy night. And that your wife's happy because we know how that goes. Um, <laughs> does Hunter have any sack bonuses left? No, he's not. He's maxed out. So if he gets no more sacks this season, I'm blaming it on you, Freddie. <laughs> um, Vikings on takeaways, we're 15th. We've got 20. And for our defense, the over and under for this game is 47 and a half points. So it's a lot. They expect more points than they did in the previous two games. And the Lions are favored by three in our house. Not good. Have to go, Stephen. Hey, wife's calling. Happy wife, happy life. You have a Merry Christmas down there, buddy. And hope all is well. All right. Here, here hit all three. He hit all three. Yes. All right. Now that brings us to one last slide. The special teams, or in this case, the short bus team. Um, Vikings actually went up. They're now ranked 29th. Yay. Uh, the Lions aren't that good either. They are ranked 20th. I think they just replaced their kicker. I think they have two that are bouncing in and off of practice squads. They don't even have one active. The one I put up there is Bagley. I expect him to play tomorrow, but I may be mistaken on that. When you look at the in-depth scores, remember DVOA, it's zero is middle of the pack, you know, that 15th and a half spot in the league. So positive is good, negative is bad. Vikings actually improved on their numbers, even though all five of them are in the negative, they've actually improved on them. But when it comes compared to the Lions, we only win two of the five categories, and those are in the returns, both kick and punt return. We do better than them. Otherwise, they are favored. And that, folks, brings you to the end of slideshow. this week's slideshow. Now, we talk about the game and how this man will probably be the key to it. Brian Flores definitely will be the key to it, Dave. Um Fun fact: the the the, the Lions haven't won uh, it beat Minnesota in Minnesota at the bank since 2017, which which is a few years. But uh, this year feels like when the streak may end, um, and mostly because the Lions, I think, are a better team than the Vikings. Even if you throw in if Cousins was healthy, the, I think the Lions would be a slightly better team than than the, than the Vikings this year. Um, 
and uh, so if they're you know they're they, they're playing for they can clinch a playoff spot tomorrow with a win and the NFC North I think with a win uh, and so that you know there, there's a lot of motivation for both teams obviously but but the you know this is a game that certainly uh, the Lions are favored to win and I think you know when you're you looked at it you showed the quarterback things. This is a game where we are going in with a disadvantage at the quarterback position. Quarterback position is the most important position on the football field. So the, the Vikings are, are, you know, playing shorthanded already. Um, <clears throat> you, you know, I think that the, you, with, with the, the lions offensively, uh, we, we know they've got an explosive offense uh, and they can be really dominant. Dominant. They showed that last week uh, against Denver, but uh Brian Flores defense has been playing really, really well. Uh, like they, the defense has been a relevation under him this year, even if they have coughed up late leads three of the last four games, in some cases, uh, you know, I think that the game shouldn't have come to that in the first place. <laughs> right. Why are you showing Mahomes? You're showing Mahomes because, you know, the, the Vikings have, have gone on quite a run defensively and really improved. But I think that, the 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 test that they are facing tomorrow against a very good Lions defense is the toughest offensive uh, is the toughest test that this defense has faced since they had to go against Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Kansas City in Week Five. The um, toughest for so, the Lions to face since they they went that well, they went that way. Also, the toughest for us to face, I think, our, our defense. Uh, and so this is going to be a really tough litmus test for that vastly improved Vikings defense under Brian Flores. And I think what's make them made them really tough uh, this year, Detroit, that is offensively is that, you know, you know, that Goff, like you said, he can, you know, he can wheel and deal when he's given time to throw. Uh, and I'm on Ross St. Brown's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, but this year, a couple of really big important additions to them has been Sam Laporta, the the rookie tight end, and Jameer Gibbs, the rookie wide receiver, uh, rookie running back. Uh, Laporta has given them the Lions that secondary, really secondary receiving threat that you have to account for to complement Amon Ross St. Brown, and he's been excellent as a rookie. And then Jameer Gibbs has been really coming on lately, Dave, in the second half of the season. Um, you know he's he's shown that he's got he's got the speed and the explosiveness to run by guys, but he can also make guys miss in space. Uh, he hit last through four games, he's averaging over six yards a carry, uh, and through the season he's averaging five point seven yards a carry. And he's got seven hundred ninety-two yards and only one hundred and thirty-nine touches. So, uh, wow. The, the, <laughs> they, like he has been a major, major part of this offense, as especially lately, and he's a guy that uh, is going to be very difficult to stop. And he's a great complement for David Montgomery, who usually plays very well against the Vikings and is that power, great contact, balance guy. Uh, and those two guys have make this Detroit running game so tough. Like you saw, second in the league in, in rushing yards overall. Um, so, you know, some very tough offensive weapons for the Vikings defense, Brian Flores defense to deal with. And if you, and and this is where the the, the, the potential that where Harrison Phillips and Jonathan Bullard being questionable for tomorrow really worries me because, 
Harrison Phillips is having like an excellent under the radar season as far as I'm concerned. When the and the Vikings have been really good stopping the run most of the season after a rough start starting they're like fifth in the league or something like that mm-hmm. and yardage given up. But to, when I'm watching the Vikings games, you can people can disagree with me. But when uh, a, a opposing running back gets stopped for minimal game or no game, it's often because of something Harrison Phillips has done at the line of scrimmage, either causing penetration or occupying three or four blockers or making the play himself. So, and he's got a back injury. Those are very tough for a guy in the trenches. Uh, so I really worry about his availability. And even if he plays, how long can he play and how many snaps can he play, Dave? He has to play a lot tomorrow. And Jonathan Bullard, is a, I think, has been on the other side has been an underrated part of this defense too. He's a big, like wide body. He occupies blockers. Uh, He takes up space. He's good at plugging, plugging gap. And I think that he has been an underrated reason why we've been very good against the run. So if you don't have those two guys and you're relying on Jake and Roy or uh, or you're bringing up TJ Smith from the practice squad, or you got to use Kyrie's Tonga instead of those guys. That's a big minus for the Vikings. And that's going to really impact their ability to stop the run. And <laughs> the NFL used to have an answer for it. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> One word, Toradol. Yes. Yeah. For well, those that don't know, Toradol is a painkiller that they would inject players with and uh, send them out to go play with. And it was great. You didn't feel squat mm-hmm. until you really messed it up. Yeah, that is true. Uh, I hear the, uh, like Alex Boone and Jeremiah Sears talk about Tordal quite a bit on their <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I do believe it's still used. Um, yeah. What it led to a lot was... Combine that with like Vicodin, and then you mm-hmm. get the the players got reliant on it and yes. hooked on it, i.e. Brett Favre, and yep. the problems that it caused there. But you know this is a business, and mm-hmm. people are making business decisions. And if it's you know, can I get away with sitting out? Will it hurt me even more if I don't if I do play? You know, all those decisions roll through people's minds. And if it I'm not gonna get hurt anymore, this will help me play without it, I can get a bigger contract, they take the shot. Mm-hmm. So But the the you know the the importance of stopping the run, I think, Dave, is it goes back to Brian the Brian Flores and the Vikings defensive effectiveness overall because uh uh it's been brought up a few times this week. And and one of the things that got Brian made Brian Flores famous, uh, particularly when he was a head coach was the, the, the number that he did as a play caller on Jared Goff as a, and the Rams offense and blitzing the crap out of Jared Goff and forcing Goff who doesn't like to get pressured to making a lot of poor decisions and throws under duress. And, you know, we expect that Brian Flores is going to want to do some, pull a similar strategy against Jared Goff this time. But in order to run those blitzes and get home and force Jared Goff to, to, to like make mistakes, you got to have him hold on to the ball a little bit longer than the normal. And that's where stopping the run comes into play. Because if, if the Goff is facing third and two, 
instead of third and eight, well, you probably can't blitz. Right, <laughs> your blitz is not going to your blitz is not going to get home, or they're just going to run the ball. Uh, so big concern with Phillips. Uh, just uh, even if Phillips and Bullard are in the game, it's concerning with how good the Detroit run game has been. And if they're out, then that makes it even tougher for Brian Flores' defense to stop. Uh, the other thing that makes it tough is that the Detroit offense starting offensive line is healthy now they're going to have all five starters in there tomorrow i think they're the best starting five offensive line in the nfl they pass and run block effectively well and last week if you watch when they had all five of them back uh, against the denver broncos defense which has been creating a lot of pressure getting a lot of turnovers they just gashed that denver defense last week they had the offensive line opened up huge running holes for gibbs and montgomery they gave Goff all kinds of time to pass uh to pass from uh if they can repeat that against the vikings it's going to be a tough tough day for brian Flores' defense and all the blitzing in the world is not going to help uh so lots of worries there on uh, uh facing a detroit offense which had been struggling but offensive line is healthy now they got lots of weapons and they really got right last week against denver and we'll be feeling pretty good about themselves going into minnesota tomorrow i hope they feel over good yes they had a problem with both chicago and green bay they did because they both those teams tried to get golf off his game and pressured him and pressured him and pressured him and pressured him, and it worked. It did. And they beat him. It's a it's an inner division game, which means it's going to be close, and it's always contested, and it's going to be rough and tumble, and it's, you know, there, it's generally not a blowout of any means, and there's more feeling in it, and the whole works. So I fully expect that that man over there has seen those tapes along with his own, and his number one priority is to make Jaron, Jared Goff uncomfortable, as uncomfortable as possible. And the Vikings may, ha- if they can do it, especially with the injuries they have, if they can do it, we get DJ Wadham, Daniil Hunter, all those guys. If they can cause that, the Vikes have a chance. They do. Uh, another thing that gives them a chance is that um, we talked earlier about the quarterback situation and Nick Mullins having to play, but uh, like offensively, the Vikings were pretty effective against Cincinnati last week. And, um, you know, the, the Detroit defense is not the train wreck it was in previous years this year. However, they have not, um, they went through a five last week. They did a very good job against Denver, but, uh, previous to that, they had a five-game stretch. They went three and two, and they the team Detroit gave up no less than 26 points in all five of those games. Uh, and the defense really, really had trouble getting off the field. Um, and the Vikings are going to have to. This is a game where I think the Vikings' offense has to kind of win it for them. As strange as that seems to believe. And last week against the the Bengals, they did play were pretty effective i think um you know what they're going to have to do i think a lot of it is that uh, they need to have you know part of your best offense is keeping the other team's offense off the field if they got a real good one and last week the vikings you know they had some pretty effective drives look at just going to go over the following offensive drives they had this is just five of them uh they had 
12 to start the game, 12 plays. They got a touchdown, lasted six minutes, 18 seconds. Another drive, 14 plays, lasting seven minutes, 38 seconds. Another drive, eight plays, lasting four, 14. On a fourth drive, eight plays, lasting four minutes and 36 seconds. And then a final drive, seven plays, lasting 358. Uh, all but one of those led to points. And why? What I'm getting at here is those are a lot of positive drives and like where the Vikings are moving the ball, killing the clock, and getting points for the most part. And against a great offense like Detroit, you got to be able to do that. You got to be able to answer. You got to be able to also keep them off the field. You got to avoid three and outs so that they don't get the ball back quickly. And it's going to be imperative for Kevin O'Connell to have one of his best, I think, play calling games, preparation games of the year so that his offense beats Aaron Glenn, the Detroit line defensive coordinators game plan and defense uh, because Glenn's defense uh, relies a lot. They don't get a lot of sacks. They rely a lot on pressure last week. It worked. Uh, Glenn threw corner blitzes at Russell Wilson and the Broncos. He threw safety blitzes at them. He blitzed linebackers. He used stunts. He used other kind of games. It worked. It got Russell, it created turnovers. It got Russell Wilson throwing under duress. So key is going to be how Kevin O'Connell game plans, how they how they develop the pass protection and 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 deal with Aaron Glenn's pr- pressure that he's going to try to dial up as much as he can. If we can win that battle, we are going to be able to move the ball effectively and score points against the Lions. And I think in this, that's going to be a key deciding factor. Yes, Justin Jefferson's got to be Justin Jefferson. We got to get Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson involved. Ty Chandler is going to have to be able to have a similar game to what he had, but. A lot of it comes down to, again, the pass protection. How do we handle Glenn's pressures, which doesn't always work. A lot of times they give up big plays based on that. And we, Kevin, Kevin O'Connell has got to win the, the strategy, the game planning part of this against Aaron Glenn this week for our offense to prosper and to get the 27 points I think we're going to need to win this one. And are they up for it? I'm not really uh, very optimistic about that uh and we haven't seen a whole lot of games this year where kevin o'connell has looked like the better play caller than the guy he's facing unfortunately well that's why i started with this Mm -hmm. we'll find out and it comes down to that we'll see davey says koc seems more concerned about not losing the game than putting teams away davey You've heard me ad nauseum. They've got to learn that behavior. This is not a participation trophy league. You've got to learn to defeat them. And hopefully you're right, because I think Dan Campbell has no problem with it. So, You know Dan Campbell, right? Like, it's less of an issue this year, but but, um, he is a guy that he's done it since he's been the head coach, but... If it's fourth and two or fourth and three and they're at their 45-yard line or they're beyond, going he's gonna, they're going for it. So as a defense, you've got to be prepared to play four downs, not just three. Uh, and that's a lot of pressure to put on a defense because uh, normally what would be a punt and you get the ball back ain't always the case with the Lions because they're going to go for it. And if they're converting at a clip of 60%, 70% a game, which they tend sometimes do, uh, they're going to extend drives, get more points than they would have, a traditional coach would have because they're not punting the ball 
on fourth down, fourth and short. They're going for it and they're converting. Uh, it puts a lot of pressure on your defense. It puts a lot of pressure on your defense on second and third down to not allow the Detroit offense to be in a position to actually even consider going for it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, Lars Fias, if it ends up being that way, I think in the offseason we may do a new section called Soft Moments in Vikings History <laughs> over the season. And we'll see. Um, yes, Bob, take the governor off. Let's go full board. You got nothing to lose. You've got to win basically all three of these games if you want to win the division and defend your crown. You've got to win them all three. There's literally, you cannot lose. So go for it. You know, nobody expects you to right now. Everybody's saying, well, will the Vikings make the playoffs? Well, yeah, they got some tiebreakers, but they got some awful tough games. We'll see. No. Everybody doubts you, KOC. Everybody doubts the Vikings. Go out there and prove them wrong, damn it. Not that he'll see me say that, but hey, you know how that goes. Mm-hmm. Now, can they win tomorrow? Affirmative. Will they win tomorrow? We got to see. What do you think? Are they going to pull it out? Are they going to score 27 points? I, I don't think so, Dave. Um, just so much. <laughs> uh, Talking about yeah. deep thoughts. Yeah. Darren needs to do another deep thought. I, yeah, I, I don't see them winning this game, but, um, Hey, I have been like, uh, down. I don't know how many games I've actually picked the Vikings to win when I've been asked my prediction, but it hasn't been very many. Uh, uh and <laughs> I don't, I try not to do predictions. I just yeah. curious how but it's it, going to go. I, oh, but again, like the, Hey, if, if I had some confidence that the Vikings wouldn't cough the ball up two or three times tomorrow, like they've done almost every game this year, then I'd feel probably feel slightly better than I do. Uh, it seems like, yeah, like we've talked about, we didn't talk about turnovers very much, but that has been the story of the Vikings season this year. And it's why we're seven and seven instead of a much better record. They don't turn the ball over tomorrow. I think that you know chances are probably pretty good that they win. But um, they've also played poor, more poorly at home than on the road, and I don't know why that is. Hmm. I don't know. We'll find out. We'll find out. But it would be nice to see them, like it, like you say, play loose, go for it, take chances. Uh, because again, like playing safe has not worked very well for them lately. GMAC says if they score 27, that means the defense has to score three touchdowns. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, I love your faith, GMAC. I love your faith. Um, ah, can they? Yes. Oh, yeah. Will they? Let's hope. We'll be here live at the two minute warning. Join us tomorrow, and uh, we'll go over it. I'm sure I'll be probably wearing my Santa hat again tomorrow. Hopefully, we'll be in a good mood. Hopefully, it'll help make our Christmas. We'll find out. GMAC, yes, KOC is married. Um, and he's got kids. Uh, home team gets three points automatically, so it's more like six points. Yes, Nurse Vius, you are correct. <laughs> 
You are correct. Um, that brings us to a close today. Got any fine words from the viewers? Um, a bit off topic. Like, uh, Freddie asked earlier, I don't know if he's still on, about like, will um, Davenport play again this season? And there was a, you had some good chatter about this earlier in the week from uh, Doogie Wilson and what he's been hearing. And um, uh, based on that, I would say that no, we won't see Davenport back this season because he don't want to come back <laughs> no, <laughs> for whatever for- reason. From what I'm gathering, from what I'm hearing, he's got an attitude issue. Um, he doesn't want to play. He yeah. is very similar to Matt Khalil type. He's there to make a paycheck, and that's it. He doesn't like the sport. He does. He's not going to go above and beyond. That's my assumption, Dave's. No direct reporting on that. But that's my assumption. That's what it looks like. That's what it sounds like. And it was a bunch of wasted money for two very good games, and that was it. So we shall see. I'd like him back because yes. the two games we saw him, he did great. But, well, everybody, the game is tomorrow. It's at noon central, the normal time, which is the good time for the Vikings. Hopefully, it's it's going to be the whiteout game. Everybody's wearing white. The fans should be jazzed. They should be loud. As long as the Vikings keep it at least close, if not lead, that stadium should be rocking. should be good. Um, I want to wish everybody uh, a great Saturday. I know Christmas is on Monday. Everybody's final last minute preparations for it. No, I am. Like I told you, I'm a professional procrastinator. I still got things to do. Um, but those that are going out to Christmas parties and such, holiday parties, please be safe. Make sure you have a designated driver or a way to get home where you're not driving yourself. Don't want to be like our offensive coordinator. And. Uh, but that you're all safe, you feel loved because you're loved by us, and I'm sure you're loved by your family, at least hopefully you are, and this is a fantastic holiday season for all of you. And remember, tomorrow we go live at the two-minute warning. Last words, Darren? None, Dave. I am talked out. Packers going to beat the, the Panthers, Freddie? Yes. <laughs> I, Freddie, I hope the pa- uh, the Panthers win. Uh, my Bears buddy, if you missed it, go watch Who Will Be King, both on YouTube and in podcast form. It's normally podcast only, but we did it on YouTube this week. My Bears cohort is, uh, as much as he'd love to see the, the, or the Packers lose, like every other team in the NFC North, it would screw up their first draft pick. So, yeah. They don't want that. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, G-Mac, even his team makes the coaches drink. Amen to that, brother. Amen. With that, what do we say, Darren? We say happy doll holidays, Merry Christmas, and Skull Vikings, baby. See you tomorrow. Skull Vikings. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell. And rate us on your favorite podcast aggregator. Darren and Dave, thank you for watching this episode of Two Old Bloggers. 
We look forward to seeing you on every show on the new Vikings First and Skull. You can find our podcasts as part of the Fans First Sports Network. Sports takes for the fan, from the fan. Skull, everybody! This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Part of the Fans First Sports Network.